will just put this on record. I don't. My parents usually tell everybody that I love the nickname. I did not. They, <laughs> I, I hated that nickname. I remember who it was, but whoever did your helmet even put milk on the side of that helmet. Did I know about that? No, <laughs> at the time. But and did I pay him for the? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you paid <laughs> for it. <laughs> Brings him off the corner. We go green flag racing. Kelly gonna pull the slide job on him up a turn of her board. The slide job on Race Pro Radio. Brought to you by DMC Racing Products. Race to win. Hello and welcome to the slide job here on Race Pro Radio. I am Bobby Chalmers, and in this episode, we get to know a former Dirt Car Modified Rookie of the Year, a multi-time winner at Fonda's Big End of the Year Weekend, and a guy who picked his first favorite driver because the guy's car looked like a colorful children's character. Even with that, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet. So let's get things started as we chat with the Freezeville, New York's Cody Blue. Some of the stuff that we've talked about before the interview, um, you let it be known that you played sports from an early age. I mean, but it wasn't necessarily racing. How did you ever get hooked up? I mean, what was the whole deal? I mean, you talk about how hockey was a big thing. How did you guys ever get into hockey? Uh, hockey was, it was just one of those things like my parents took me to a River Rats game when we were, me and my brother were younger. And I mean, babies, you know. And <laughs> it pretty much started from there. It was, uh, racing was always a thing. It was me and my dad's hobby. We always went to the races every summer. And winter, we didn't do much at, right. at that time when we were younger. And it was something, you know, my dad was like, hey, do you you guys want to try, try the sport out? And, again, he kept taking us to all these games and, um, finally we went to like all the, the learn to skate programs you can do with youth hockey and, um, not necessarily having to do with youth hockey itself, but, um, other organizations where you can learn to skate and, uh, it, it literally took off, um, like trying not to brag, but my parents always said that it came natural to me and, um, same thing with my brother. And again, it took off that and that was our thing me and my brother growing up every winter um not just winter but fall and spring it was non-stop hockey and uh youth hockey is a lot different compared to other youth sports like basketball and football and it i look at it and it seems to be where those sports are more associated with school and where you grow up and okay. your hometown where youth hockey, um, they don't have regulations with that. They don't have any protocols with that. Um, we started playing with an organization over in, which was called the Capital District Youth Hockey Organization. Mm -hmm. And that was mainly um, kids with, like, living within Colony and Latham, uh, Niskayuna area. And we decided to go over there, and that's pretty much where I stayed the whole time I was in youth hockey itself. Um, later on, it, just like in racing, organizations come and go, and that's what it was. And throughout those times, my brother, who kept at it longer than I did, he started playing for different organizations, different teams, and again, that changes when you move up because uh, different leagues, different people, scouts start recognizing you and it changes and again it with other sports 
you may have a couple practices the beginning of the season, and then you just play games, which, you know, me and my brother, we played soccer. We played baseball. We did a lot growing up, but hockey was always the one true thing. But hockey itself is a huge commitment because not only do you have a game Friday night, Saturday morning or night, Sunday morning or night, but youth hockey, you also have practices throughout the week. And not only that, you know, my mom and dad were bringing us to a chiropractor on Wednesday. They were, <laughs> they were bringing us to uh, um, like a, a stick handling program and a learn escape program along with our practices. So you guys are full into this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it was it was huge, and it took up most of the winter. Um, again, racing was a thing me and my dad went to go do during the summer. That was our thing. Um, Ethan wasn't really into the racing that much, but at the same time, um, growing up before I got actually involved in racing myself, we also did summer camps sometimes for hockey. And <laughs> it was, it was, it was quite the experience growing up, but you know, that on top of school, you know, we were busy. Now you said your brother Ethan, he went and did that. He kind of took to that a little bit more than you did. Did you ever think that that was going to be your path compared to what your you know you kind of went down the racing path? Did you ever think that hockey was going to be something you wanted to do? Well, in the back of my head, I always wanted to race because that's what I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nowadays seems you have 10-year-olds jumping into race cars now, so it's kind of <laughs> weird to say when I grow up, I want to be a race car driver. But you know, that was always a thing I had, I, I wanted to do. But at the time, when everything was going well in hockey, I was like, wow, this is, this is you fun know, too. this is fun. And you know, going through the different age groups, a lot of stuff started happening to where, um, I'll, I'll put it this way, parents, when it comes to hockey games, you will never see a more wild group than parents <laughs> in the stands of a youth hockey game. You can go to a soccer game, football game. You know, I understand stuff happens every once in a while, but they're rowdy. You, yeah, <laughs> and the parents. Not only that, and I mean. You could be playing like a youth hockey game, and you score against their team. You bump into one of the kids. You you start to become well-known player. Yeah, you'll have parents from the other team screaming at you, and they'll be calling you every word in the book. And it doesn't matter <laughs> if you're eight years old or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely a, a different atmosphere compared to other sports. I mean, people argue that with me. I understand, but just from my point of view, my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and one thing I do is I don't take well to people yelling at me. And I've seen that. Yeah. And, <laughs> but at the time, I mean, I, I was young. I was little. I mean, I was terrified of my own shadow back then. <laughs> and, you know, it, and parents would do that to get you off your game. And sometimes and, it worked, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, and it, it worked a lot of times. And that was the part where it started not to be fun. So then it brought you over to the racing aspect. I mean, yeah. what I mean, you said that your dad was like, you know, you, that was the thing you and your dad did. 
when did you find, I mean, get the urge to say, you know what, Dad, I want to try this. I want to try and get behind the wheel and race. It's not just, you know, let's go to the races. It's something I want to do. Well, obviously, we were so busy with hockey. And then eventually I I stopped when I was um, like 12, I think, 12 or 13 around there. And Ethan kept going. But it was something I was like, you know, I really want to get more involved. And um, my dad ended up uh, getting us two bicycles. And me and Ethan started doing BMX during the summer for a couple of years, which, I mean, if you think about it, keeps your legs moving, keeps you in shape. So that was one thing he looked at it as. And, uh, I mean, at the same time, too, he'd take us to Guptals for roller skating. He'd take (laughs) us to open skates just to, you know, keep us in shape. And I'm not saying he was like, you got to do this, you got to do that. It was, you know, hey, if you want to do this. We can do it. Yeah, we can do it. But um, so he got us into BMX, and I still wanted, you know, everybody's telling me, like, oh, you know, go-karts. If you're going to race cars, go-karts the way to go. Got to start out on a go kart, and uh, I kept bugging my father about it, and you know, Dad says that's another huge commitment. You know, and if you want to show me you want to do it, you better start doing it, which was a wake up call to me. Like, oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. And um, his biggest thing was, if you get straight A's in school. I'll put you in a go-kart. And I just remember, like, it, the year at school started out so rough for me, and all of a sudden everything started to go well with grades. I was paying so much more attention. And you had a goal. In a parent, yeah, in an, a parenting aspect, that was huge for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the grades in school, for the, for the most part, I mean, I wasn't a huge what what would you call it straight a student, <laughs> straight a student. but um i definitely made the goal that year they they saw and that you were working towards it and you yeah. knew what you were doing yeah. yeah and my dad ended up uh it was kind of like a little partnership he did with my uncle because my uncle and my cousins were racing go-karts at the time and he was able to let my uncle let me take one of the go-karts out on Friday nights to run it. That'd and, be awesome. Oh, <laughs> that felt great. I, I took one out before, mm-hmm. and I was terrified of the thing. Mm-hmm. And then the first time I got on a go-kart, it was just like, game on. <laughs> I'm not afraid anymore. And it's funny because I was the first time I ever, the first race I was ever in, I finished second. But there were only three carts in the oh. class, so. Well, we'll leave. If you want, we'll edit that out of. Yeah, the there story. were there were fifteen <laughs> carts in the class, and I finished. It. Yeah, no, that's not how it worked. <laughs> so I mean, should so, I mention to it the guy in third place spun out? <laughs> <laughs> but you enjoyed success. I mean, now where did you guys run? I mean, because I see, I'm from over in Mass. I don't know about I'm learning now, like Kroger Creek and Dodge City and. And and at the time, I think Glen Ridge had a go kart track. I mean, where did you guys race? We we started out at Dodge City, okay, and then um, we, most of the time I was at Kroger Creek, and that was a deal with my father. He said, you know, once a night that, or I'm sorry, once, once a, a week. week, that's that's the that's the plan, mm-hmm. and uh, 
which we did at Kroger Creek for three years. I mean, we every once in a while he let me go to Turkey Trot, um, which was uh, which I that was Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, his his thing and my thing was we'd always go to the racetrack the night we weren't racing go karts, and that was you know right. Saturdays, especially at Fonda, um, following Jimmy Davis wherever he went. But, yeah, that's pretty much where it started was go-karts at Kroger Creek, Dodge City, Turkey Trot, mostly Kroger Creek. All right. Now, I got to ask, I know that you, I mean, you're talking about the fact of the love of the sport and enjoyable sport, and now you're in the go-karts. When did the first idea of doing the full size, because you moved up to the street stocks, like within the next couple of years, but I mean, when was the when was the idea to go to the full size car, especially when you went to Fonda? Um, who? Believe- let me rephrase that. Whose idea was it? Was that you kind of getting back at Dad, or did Dad finally see that you were serious about racing? Um, man, I never thought about it, but I think it was both me and my father. Mm-hmm. Um, my my dad has always been a huge fan of the street stocks, the pro stock, the full fender cars, you right. know. He he's always been a huge fan of that. And go-karts hard to believe but it got so expensive. <laughs> and we we ended up selling um the go-kart that we had along with I guess you could call it the operation, the tires, tools, ever, ever, everything stuff, yeah. with it. And we ended up buying a street stock in 2006 mm-hmm. and we we had money left over from what we <laughs> sold the go-kart with and it's amazing not only, what these parents can put in it's just like you were saying with hockey i know a lot yeah. of parents put a lot of money into the go-karts yeah and i mean the thing too with go-karts is i i had four wins i mean you can hear all these kids you know i had like 200 wins i had 50 wins and i to me it just we were once a week, and my dad was also, he's like, I'm not going to put all, you know, my life savings into this go-kart. Mm-hmm. And we'd always run mid-pack, but he also, my dad also told me, he goes, it's better to run mid-pack and learn how to drive your way through instead of starting up front and then having a straightaway lead. That's the way my father always was. He always said, I'd rather... I'd rather you learn how to be a racer rather than just how to be a winner. Yeah. You know, and that's, I get that. But, so we, um, yeah, we, my father purposed the, the, the street stock and, um, from Dan Hargraves and it, talk about a well-built car. That thing was (laughs) phenomenal. And, uh, we ended up getting hooked up with, uh, Chris Fain from HRD Chassis and, if you don't know Chris, especially if you're on street stocks or pro stocks, you, you must just hang out in your pit by yourself because he, <laughs> he's not around that much anymore at the tracks, but the guy was phenomenal, especially with, with building cars, the setup. I mean, he, he had people from NASCAR calling him all the time. And, you know, he, I know he's been trying to get a couple of books out about stuff. And uh, which I hope I hope he does in the near future. Mm-hmm. But uh, he again, this amazing individual, family, the whole works. And 
we got hooked up with him. Uh, we made a lot of chassis adjustments with the car. And the second, the second year we went out, it was like a totally brand new car. Um, they had a lot of engine r rules change. Um, yeah, because back then they the crate motor wasn't a. Yeah, it wasn't even around. Yeah, it wasn't around. Yeah, I mean, oh. You know, originally guys would have like 383s or, you know, 350s where they wanted to limit it to just the 350s. Um, did they <laughs> did they stick to their word on that? Probably not, because there was a lot of 427s in the class still running, a lot of 383s. But um, we were able to get a, a very well built 350 in the car, and we got my first win in 08. And then uh, the following the following year, I got a win at Fonda and a win at Malta. I say one of the wins you had was the big end of the year race, too, wasn't it? I remember correctly. Um, oh, it was the last points night in Hawaii. Yeah, and me and um, Cassidy Wilson. It was <laughs> he was usually winning every night, and I was finishing second to him. <laughs> That's how it went. <laughs> And it was the last night for points. Um, he he had it wrapped up, and um, it was one of those deals. Like I was leading the race, he caught me coming out of turn four, and he ended up um, looping it coming out of turn four. But it was cool because um, when I pulled into victory lane, the, it was neat to hear the crowd and everything. Because uh, Cassidy came up in victory lane and shook my hand and stuff and then That's just cool. to have him go up there after that for his championship it was it was neat how it ended That's cool. now you're talking about the fact that you and your father always used to go to fonda speedway you live very very close to lebanon valley <laughs> how does a guy like you that close to lebanon valley say you know what we're gonna travel all the way out to Fonda and go race, watch the races out there, and then race there every week. How'd you end up out there? Um, pretty much, what it was was me and Dad following Jimmy Davis okay. while I was growing up. Um, he he used to take me to races at Lebanon Valley, the monster trucks, all that stuff, mm -hmm. and then we started going to Albany, Saratoga, and that that's where everything with our friendship with Jimmy oh, started. Okay. It was just. One of those deals we were watching the street stocks, which were the pro stocks back then. Right. And, you know, my father told me, he goes, pick out your favorite car. And, of course, me being little, I was a huge fan of Barney. So <laughs> Jimmy Davis had those colors on his car. And we ended up going. We'll cut that out, too. Oh, I don't care. But we... We ended up going to see him in the pits afterwards, and, you know, Jimmy knelt down and shake my hand, of course, because I was three. Mm. And, again, that's where it took off. And we, like, the 90s at Malta is what I will always picture in my head as, like, growing really? up and watching. Really? Why is that? Just because that was my childhood, especially during the summers, obviously. Right. But that was my childhood. That was every friday night with my dad you know those times that you'll never forget yep. and watching jimmy especially in the sportsman ranks with some of you know i think the greatest sportsman guys that ever drove there like the ballesteros hartman 
butt to all those guys. Right. And uh, then it, Jimmy ended up um, going to Fonda, and again he was very dominant there, won two championships, change, yeah. and um, so that's it. Went from Friday nights to Saturday nights, and we we're following Jimmy every Saturday out there, and that's pretty much why we started racing there. Was we started out, you know, I wanted to race where Jimmy raced, and for going to Fonda for so many years as well. Kind that's, of the track. Yeah, that's where I wanted to start. No, it I mean no offense to anybody at Lebanon or anything like that, you know. Right. But uh, that's that's pretty much how it started. Now, after the street stocks, you decided it was time to move up. You went out and got a sportsman car, a very familiar car to you. I mean, talk to me about that first sportsman car you guys had. We. Me and my dad put some money together, and we ended up purchasing a car from Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, that had to be a thrill, too. Oh, that was great! And <laughs> and uh, like in the street stocks, I always ran seventy three B. And in Sportsman, Jimmy let me run like just seventy three. That's awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> so that was that was so cool. Not only that, I had the same color scheme everything is him the only thing that was different was the sponsors and the my name on the on the number (laughs) but um that that was huge um of course i i burned the clutch completely out the first night (laughs) (laughs) so first a little little excited about the first first, night yeah so first thing i did when we load up the car um my good friend dave moon Mm -hmm. um, who we just lost and Moon and Jimmy came up to me and they said, well, the first thing you're going to learn that replaces the transmission and the clutch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy, let, he, when we first bought the car, he let us assemble it in a shop with Jimmy and Moon there working on it with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'd, I'd bring it home on Sundays, obviously. I'd wash it and then I'd trailer it up there, usually Monday night. After work or school, whatever I was doing, mm-hmm. and then um, that was pretty much the way it was for the next two years. And the first year, we won the biggest sportsman race at Fonda, the um, McDonald's weekend or mm-hmm. the Mohawk River weekend. I know it's changed names a bunch of times, but you had the biggest smile that night. Oh, uh, that was that. huge! Yeah, <laughs> it was neat though because when we won the race, um, there's a picture of me on top of the car and like obviously I'm screaming and (laughs) right below um, in the picture is you can see Jimmy Davis right there doing the same thing and that that was amazing and just to get off the car he gave me a big hug and then run over to my dad give him a hug and you know just to be interviewed that probably one of the best moments in the in my career now you've talked about obviously in the last couple of questions you've kind of talked about the fact that you know you loved the fact that jimmy was such a big part of your race and what does it mean to have somebody like that i mean he's a champion at fonda speedway he's a champion all over to have somebody like that with all the experience all the know-how but but even that just somebody you looked up to in racing to be there is is your 
your your your your guide, your, the somebody that's trying to help you in your career and to, to to become a better driver. What did that mean? I mean, that's pretty much like having Richard Petty, uh, you know, mm-hmm. right next to you, to me. Right. Yeah, he was always the guy I looked up to, and cool. still do. And um, does he? You know, he's uh, he's raced for a lot of low-budget teams in the past, and he's been able to accomplish so much with that. And, you know, just, again, to have him there, I mean, you know, I, I don't bug him, but to call him, right. if I ever need something to call him or text him, he's right there for me. And the same thing, too. If he ever needed anything, I'd be right there. But, uh, I mean, just, just to have him right there, he was... You know, I could, no matter what was going on, I could talk to him. If he was having a bad night, if I was having a bad night, whatever. And um, the having the, somebody like that in your corner, that, yeah. I mean, that's 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 just huge. I mean, that that's such a big shot in the arm. It's got to be. Yeah, he, you know, he he'd tell me everything I did right, and he he make sure he'd tell you everything I did wrong. <laughs> You know, but it was the constructive criticism that every driver should have. Needs. They need yeah. it. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to kind of go a little off off the rail a little bit here. The, when you and I first got to know each other, you were still driving the street stock. One of the things that I don't think a lot of people realize, maybe a lot of people that went to Fonda do, is you had a certain nickname where the hell did the milkman come from? <laughs> Wait, you got a pretty big smile on your face when I brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll just put this on record. I don't. My parents usually tell everybody that I love the nickname. I did not. They, <laughs> I, and I hated that nickname. Uh, it was one of those things I had to kind of suck it up and just... You even had your hel- there was I don't remember who it was, but whoever did your helmet even put milk on the side of that helmet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did I know about that? No, at the time. But and did I pay him for the? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you paid for <laughs> but, it. <laughs> um, there's only two people I'll let call me that in person. You know, mm-hmm. without getting very upset or. Well, I just asked you know. the question. Oh I yeah, call you but. Um, the one who started it is Harry Schaefer. Happy Harry. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the whole thing started was uh, we, you know, racing at Fonda. I, I started to get better as years went, and um, obviously I wasn't of age to drink. <laughs> and the, I mean, you know what I mean. The thing yeah, is, know, after every race, if you if the guy beats you, you go over, you give him a beer. Yeah, that's been the thing for how many years? Can't Ever since racing started, you know. Can't do that when you're 16 years old, right? <laughs> so, um, obviously, like growing up and everything, my dad too. We we drank milk and it just, <laughs> so. Uh, the one day my dad ordered this huge pitcher of milk after a race when we were at the Winter Circle restaurant. Mm-hmm. And 
when the waitress brought that thing out and put it on her table, it, the whole restaurant like started <laughs> hanging on us right there. And right there, Harry Shaver's like, it's the milkman, yelling it out. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And sure enough, every night they'd start bringing out a picture of milk and putting it on her table. But that was because I was beating them every week. <laughs> You know, I'd still, I'd obviously I couldn't go up and buy it right there, but I'd give the waitress money so they could, you know, Keep bring them, it. bring beer out for them if they beat me, and yeah, you know. So I think it was, it was all good fun though. Oh yeah, you know, as much as I didn't like it, didn't like it, it was all good fun. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I you know I can dish it out to people too, but I can I can take it, mm. you know. But uh, as much as I it hated, I hated it deep down inside. But um, it just stuck, and Harry went off and told everybody you could think of at the track, <laughs> and he told Josh Phillips, who was the, one of the announcers at Fonda then. Oh, you're a And man. right there, all of a sudden, I'm hearing them call call it over the the or the PA system. Yeah, the PA system. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! And it just stuck, and well, they always luckily say it didn't it didn't stick for long, but uh. Yeah, Harry and Josh are. I haven't seen Josh in a while now, but um, Harry and Josh are only two. I'll really let me call that still, but they're. Uh, that's how it started. Have you gotten Harry back yet? Have I gotten have Harry gotten back him, yet? Have you gotten him back? There's a lot of times where it's been back and forth, and it's been very. It's been very good. <laughs> um, yeah, some of them I can't say on here. Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll keep it PG. Yeah. Um, now. Back, I think the following year, I think it was a 2012. You got a ride with Jeff Rockefeller. It ended up leading to you getting the Sportsman Championship that year. That was a really big year for you. What did it mean to you to have somebody actually notice you? Notice how well you'd run. Like you said, you won the biggest Sportsman race. You've been out there. You were running with your own stuff. What did it mean to have somebody like like Jeff and his family go and say, you know what, we want to put him in the car. We know we can get him to do well, and and you proved it. You went out and won the championship. It's um, it's an awesome feeling. It it's obviously a it shows all the hard work and dedication that you had has been looked at. Um, you know, before that, um, Jeff and his father, Dave, had been coming over talking to us and looking at the, our equipment and, you know, I mean, we, we didn't have the best of the best, but we took care of it you and we well maintained it. it. Yeah. And, um, I guess I definitely showed to them that we were, uh, again, the dedication mm-hmm. and, um, it's actually kind of funny because how we originally met was me and Jeff were racing side by side, and it was good hard racing, and then we touched, and he ended up spinning out. Oh, no. So he came down to our trailer to, you know, obviously ask ask what the issue was, and I told him, I'm like, you got you got to watch the video. And sure enough, it was just hard racing me and him, and it, it was like two lines connected, and that was that, but... You know, Jeff definitely. Jeff also told me too that he had talked to people after the races, and they said that you know I don't that 
Cody doesn't race like that. Right. And um, again, to have everybody in my corner telling him that and stuff is huge. And um, Jeff called me. Actually, Jeff called me the following week and was talking to me because he wasn't going to be able to make a race that he had at Glenridge. Mm-hmm. So I drove his car. Oh, I didn't um, that was two. That was 2011. Mm-hmm. And drove his car up at Glenridge. Um, actually, I, I'm sorry. I drove it twice. Uh, the first night we went out, and uh, I, <laughs> I got ran over on a ca- on a caution lap from a guy warming up his tires and drove. <laughs> he didn't. He must have not realized I was there, and he drove over the front end, broke the axle in half, which I've never. Seemed it broke it in half. I don't know <laughs> if Jeff still has a picture. He had it hanging up in his shop last I know, <laughs> or the old shop. Um, but that was that was interesting, and uh, as it, it where the welds are going to the kingpins and everything, it it just sheared it right, sheared off. It right off. And uh, so we went back. I think the following week, because it was like a long vacation Jeff was on. We ended up driving the car again there and um did very well. Um I think we had a we had like a flat tire or something, so we didn't finish up in the front, but just to come home, especially at Glenridge car in one piece and everything, 'cause I, I I have not had the best of luck at Glenridge, you know, and um you know that that definitely showed something to him and again we worked really well. And we went out and, you know, we got two wins. Jeff got a win that year at Fonda. And uh, for for a small team, but, you know, they also, they made sure I had the equipment I needed. They made sure I had the best of the best at that time. And it was one of those deals where I could sit in the car and I'm like, okay, it's all up to me now. It's not the car. It's not anything. You, you knew you it's, had the equipment. It was your yeah, turn. Yeah, it's me now and I mean, we we finished second i don't know how many nights that year <laughs> but um we got the two wins and we ended up getting the championship so that was great and over the next couple of years you drove for johnny kolar and then you got hooked up with the davis family greg's towing um you moved your home track to albany saratoga i think in 2014 i believe it was i think 13 or 14 yeah now the Davis family, I mean, they've they've got a long history of Fonda. They got a long history at, at Albany Saratoga. I mean, Greg's, I mean, to me, he's always been a, a real stand-up guy and a real nice guy. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, what was he like to be a car owner? What was it like to be driving for Greg? Greg was awesome. Great, great guy. He's even a greater friend now. Um, just family friends now with us. So you guys, are, I mean, even you haven't driven for him in a couple of years, and you guys still hang out and talk. And yeah, whatever. all the time. Um, tell you what, his business. If anybody has any issues with their car or anything, go visit him in Voorheesville. <laughs> I mean, hands down, one of the best mechanics you'll meet. Um, great service. But uh, Greg, uh, he's always been there for me ever ever since day one. Um, he's been through the best and the worst with me too with the years after, you know, yeah, after. Um, and the thing, too, is uh, he was very, uh, I, 
can't think right now, but the very uh, his motivation and everything. And you know, he told me when we first started racing, he goes, "Listen, I can't get you the best of the best, but I'm gonna get you to the track. You know, we're gonna keep you racing." And we had fun. That you was guys were pretty successful with yeah. what you guys did. I mean, we had five or six wins together. A lot of them were big races too. Mm-hmm. Um, we won. We ended up winning the Mohawk River weekend again. Yeah, remember that. We won the Mike Ronka Memorial twice. And uh, you know, we again, it was it was like right around that time. Everybody was buying brand new, brand new, brand new for sportsmen now, especially when the crates took off. And uh, for what we were able to accomplish and everything, it, in that short amount of time, was big. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, because of Greg, because of his family, I was able to keep racing. Um, we were able to have fun while doing it, which I think is, is the biggest thing, especially when it comes to short track racing. As long as you're having fun, that's that's what really matters. Yeah. Um, don't get me time like don't get me wrong. Were there times where I was like angry with how our our night went? Absolutely. But Greg was always there to calm me down and say, "Hey, listen, we're gonna come back next week. You know, we'll, we'll make sure the you, car's he good." Kept you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, there's always and another day. I think Greg too. Greg, too, is very appreciative of me. I was always at that shop almost every day working on the car. He, you know, it's not like he had to worry about rushing to get it ready. Um, there were times, obviously, when work or family came up where I'd be like, Greg, I, I'll, I'll handle the car. Don't worry. Do whatever you got to do. And uh, same thing back. If I had something come up, Greg, you know, or my, my father or um like Kyle Corbett was with us at that time, it, you know, it just having those guys there, we're, we were a small crew, but we accomplished so much within a short amount of time. Dedicated crew. And, you know, it was great. And if I finished 15th, I didn't expect Greg to be like, what's wrong? What? You know, like a lot of car owners are today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more, all right, let's figure out what we can do for next week. Now, unfortunately, there are downsides to racing during that time driving for Greg and and the Davis family. There were, at least from what I remember, two really bad accidents. One at Fonda, where you hit the turn four wall, tire barrier pretty hard. And then there was one coming off of turn four right at the end of the last race, or coming down to the checkered at Albany Saratoga at the end of the year. I mean, obviously, I mean, I know that you were, you had your bell rung pretty good, but do you remember anything about those races? Do you remember anything, or are you listening to what other people have ever told you about them? Um, I've listened to what other people have pretty much told me about them. Problem is, is that's not good when you listen to other people about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you obviously you've seen, I'm sure you've seen the accident, seen the, the videos of them. I mean, do you... I mean, does that ever, even still to this day, does that get into your mind and realizing things like that have happened? I mean, 
Because I mean, I, now everything now everything is all about this concussion and 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 all that stuff. And obviously, you've been in hockey, you've dealt with it. But I mean, does does something like that kind of still sit in your mind of of you know this could happen, or do you just kind of block the stuff that you've been throughout? Um, my biggest thing is if if you're worried about something or you're scared about something, do not buckle into that car. That is my overall opinion and I've told people that before who have started that you know they're shaking or something like that I've told them I'm like get get out of the car you gotta if you're gonna get in that car accept everything you know yeah and but I'm not I'm not saying in a way like like not to praise drivers like they're risking their life getting in a car that's not that's not what it is. The drivers know the responsibility when they get in that car, what could happen. Don't praise them for it. Mm-hmm. That That's my opinion. might not be be different for other people. But, I get it. Um, when you get in that car, you have to understand stuff's going to happen. And, um, again, it, you know, I there's a lot of stuff I don't remember from those nights, which I think helps me getting back in that car. <laughs> To tell you the truth, but, um, you know, like the night at Fonda, that was really the biggest, at that time, that was the biggest incident that I've had. Mm. Um, street stocks, I had one, I had an accident where there was a huge pile up in front of me and I stopped to avoid it, like right before it. And then, bang, some guy behind me who wasn't paying attention drives me right into it. And I had a another guy's uh, engine mount broke. And it was like I think it was like a Camaro like style or Chevy style one, and mm-hmm. it came through the passenger window and hit me in my neck. Ooh. And it just obviously, if you get hit in the neck with something, you're like, that rings your bell pretty. You good. know, and I mean, you lose your breath and everything. So that was, I mean, that was kind of scary. They they just they took me to the hospital that night just for precautions, obviously. Mm-hmm. Which there's a funny Dave Lape story with that one, but uh, oh, no. <laughs> but um. When it came to the Fonda incident, that was the first big one, and I ended up, the doctor, he either told me, like, uh, to take a week off or two weeks, and I think there was a rain out in between those. Thank God. Yeah, but um, we had another another driver hop in the car. He ended up, Hartman Jr., he ended up winning the race, which was neat, and, uh, but getting back in that car... I I had no fear whatsoever, nothing, and we ended up winning a race later on that year. Uh, the the Malta one was definitely by far the the worst. Okay, you just started to talk about it. Now I gotta know what's the Dave Lape story. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't we, open uh, your mouth, <laughs> but now we need to know. Uh, I went so I went to the hospital that night. This was the street stock incident, and um. And again, it wasn't, um, Fonda's always been known, it doesn't matter, promoter, day, night, whatever. Fonda's always been known, one and two, it's always rough, turns one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, so the one year, they had a water main break. And uh, obviously, it's the old fairground, so uh, they were having issues with the water coming up in one and two. And I think this was maybe a couple weeks after that. And... Dave Lape was in a serious 
uh, rollover, and it was one of those like snap rollovers, mm-hmm. very sudden. Yeah. So he went to the hospital, and of course, with my wreck, I ended up going to the hospital. Well, they put me in the room next to him, <laughs> and <laughs> so at the time, I was uh, I was 15, and the doctor uh, came in and was talking to my parents about everything. And uh, by then, I was when I got to the hospital, I was fine, but they just you know so uh what happened was um dave's wife came in said hi just wanted to check on me and i you know i was like how's how's dave doing and at the time i had i never met dave mm-hmm. and um she told me he was doing fine and <laughs> so the doctor starts yelling at my parents and i'm i'm not talking like like he was screaming at my parents like you know your, your kid's 15 he shouldn't be in a race car i don't know what's wrong with you racing people and, you know all these <laughs> kids and race and started uh, again yelling at my parents and my dad he's not he's one he he won't sit he there like and, me in that. oh no. no and he's <laughs> and uh obviously it's his kid too so he gets very protective mm-hmm. and so it it escalated quite a bit, <laughs> and uh, my mom was trying pretty much, you know, trying to hold my father back. And next thing you know, you hear a voice from down the hall, and I won't I'll leave out some words, but you know, you leave that kid alone, blah blah, like, go, like <laughs> screaming, <laughs> like it's not his fault. The track was terrible. You know, <laughs> don't make me come in there and kick your butt, like, and. It was Dave. It was Dave Light. <laughs> and you can hear Dave's wife trying to calm him down the whole time. <laughs> and the doctor, between my dad trying to go yeah. after him and Dave screaming at him, the doctor ran out of the, out of the room. <laughs> and we didn't see him the rest of the time I was there. It was just the nurses that would come in. And <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably one of the I'd say probably a turning point in one in your racing career could have been the night you got the opportunity to drive a backup car for Billy Schoons, and mm-hmm. even if it was just a hot lap session. I mean, do you remember or what was it like to be the first time you actually got to put the pedal down and realize you had 800 plus horsepower underneath your foot? Uh, probably when I was in the starting grid waiting to go out when I revved it up a couple times, the whole car shook side to side, which in a crate, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay. And, so would uh, you say it was pretty cool? Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know what was crazy was when they pulled us out on the front stretch and parked there for the national anthem? Mm-hmm. When you're in those stands during that, you know, I mean – childhood memories all of a sudden you're that in that car right in front of where you used to sit and you used to be down next to the fence cheering and trying to get away from one of from, your favorite yeah, drivers from jimmy yeah. you know or jack johnson yep. you know and now i'm in that car and i have people you know a lot of friends of mine waving at me and mm-hmm. you know i you know i'm not gonna lie i teared up <laughs> during the during the anthem while it was playing and it's uh pretty damn cool isn't it yeah and they go out there and um we we did pretty good i mean we uh we passed a couple cars and uh at the time i was running for john kolar so the sportsman feature was right after the mods and you know we we all knew like you know five laps left to go or ten to go hey pull in the pits so you can get ready and uh 
we were passing cars when we pulled in. Bill, Bill Schoons, after after the sportsman feature, we um, I think we ended up finishing second that night. Mm-hmm. And Bill came over to me once I got back with Kolar's car. He's like, "Why did you pull off? You were passing cars." Like, sorry, sorry, Bill. <laughs> kind of had to. <laughs> He it was all he was joking, you know, right. obviously, but it, it felt good to hear him say that. But that 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 was big. It kind of wetted your whistle a little bit for for the big block. All of a sudden, the sportsman car was kind of like, yeah. Well, I got in the sportsman car and I'm like, where'd the power go? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're, you're flat footing around the track. <laughs> yep. A couple years, like you said, that was in when you were still driving for Kolar. A couple years, I think, after that. You got the opportunity to drive. You were working, helping out the, the, the Hyanga team. And you got to take out the backup car for, for Sean Pegman's backup car. Was it everything you would remembered when you when you got to do it? I mean, talk about the time, the first time you drove for, for, for Lottie. Um, Sean Pegman, he's, during my sportsman career, if there was ever, like, last minute stuff I needed or I, I needed more help at the track. Sean was there and he'd always jump in and help whenever, you know, we'd have an issue. And uh it was always like a secret thing. Like Sean, you know, a lot of people didn't know him mm-hmm. or that, you know, hung out around me, but he was always there um at the track and um most of the time he raced at Glenridge, so when he was at Fonda or Malta he was there watching and you know, he'd always stop to say hi, and um, he was racing for Lottie Hoyanga. Mm-hmm. In 2017, we were kind of unsure what was going on because um, Greg had a lot of stuff going on. He was he was moving his business to a new building, um, so we we wanted to kind of you know he wanted to calm down the racing a little bit, which is completely understandable. understandable. And uh, Greg still let me he he let me. Um, race the king of dirt series and we actually ran malta for the first half of the season every friday but at the same time you're not racing as much you know you have some more free time and uh i just i started helping out sean um at the racetrack just to get my hands on a modified because um you know i where we were racing jimmy davis wasn't so you know i wasn't there to help obviously right but um I Lottie started talking to me and um he had, you know Sean had told him what I'd accomplished in the sportsman car for a short amount of time and um he took an interest to that and Sean went on vacation and um the guys decided to have me hop in the car the one night and we went out and uh uh, the first night, this was a, I'm trying to remember, the first or second night we we did good. And then um, the second time I ended up going out was when another time when Sean was on vacation. Mm-hmm. And we actually qualified really well in the heat race. And they put me up front for the feature. And we led, I forget how many laps of the mod feature. And then the, the engine started to overheat. So... I mean, when you're talking a crate, which is you know three grand to a modified motor, that you're looking at thirty thousand, you know, mm-hmm. that's 
when you see those lights come on, as much as a lot of guys ignore them, I, I don't. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, nope, this. And I, I pulled off. And I'm, again, I, like, wasn't crying, but I got emotional. I was like, well, like, I just led laps in a modified feature of Fonda. And uh, right there, you know, Lottie um, started putting me in a car when he could a couple times and led to a bunch of, you know, bigger events that we went to that year. Now, I didn't say that because that was 19, or 2017. That was also the year you ended up traveling out to Eldora. You guys ended up doing a lot of big races. I mean, that had to be a, a thrill and a half to be able to run at that at that racetrack too. That was great. I mean, we were we were having um we were having engine problems. Um, I think uh, one of it was uh, I think it was like the power steering pulley. We were having issues with that, and I mean, when you're having issues, uh, it it feels like you're down a cylinder. Mm-hmm. But again, we we went out that we had so much fun like the 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 way it is out there their kind of racing is so much different from over this way why is that uh a lot more people well especially people out there they don't see the big blocks as much obviously so it's like kind of like the world of outlaws going to Lebanon valley (laughs) you know what i mean so people are very interested in the cars um and again, it, a lot, out there, it's a lot more uh, sprint cars, you know, UMP, IMCA cars, mm-hmm. like that. So, um, I think when every every different division, different, it's obviously different racing, and in a way, different lifestyle. So, it's neat <laughs> to see how all the guys out there were working on their stuff compared to here and. Mm-hmm how everything was maintained. Um, you got to meet a lot more guys that raced on the road out there. So you got to see, <laughs> you got to see their living conditions, but, <laughs> um, but you also saw what, uh, what they could use out of very little. Mm-hmm. And it, it was neat to see. And um, again, like all new faces, new people out there that you got to meet. And uh, just it was an experience of a lifetime, especially not not going out there to watch, but going out there to race made it even more special. At, at the end of that year, um, you got a pretty big honor that I don't think you even knew about. Um, you were named the Dirt Car Rookie of the Year for the Modified class. Um, but unfortunately, you weren't there. You, nobody had told you that you were going to get the award or whatnot. I was actually the one that ended up having to call you and let you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you didn't believe me when I first started texting you and then called you. I had to physically send you a picture of that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you didn't believe it. Did you ever think when you first started going to the races and picking that purple number 73 did you ever think that you would be the top rookie you know get the rookie of the year award in in the big block modified class only probably a little less than 10 or a little more than 10 years later no i (laughs) um obviously when you're a kid you dream of becoming the best race car driver ever blow you know everybody's dale earnhardt yeah yeah and um 
I mean, still to this day, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of big name races out there that deep down, I know if I had the possibility or the, the chance mm-hmm. of competing in it, I know I'd, you know, there's always that chance you of winning it. Well, yeah. Um, but to win that, that, you know, that was hands down one of the best things that ever, ever happened. Um, I, I wish... I wish I could have accepted it in person <laughs> at the event, but, um, I mean, as it was pretty well known, I, I never received a letter. Yeah. Nothing. Um, yeah, you weren't exactly too excited or I, you were, you didn't believe me. I, there was no way you believed that I, that, that yeah, happened. I mean, I was, I was at a friend's birthday party and <laughs> when y- you sent me the, the text that night, I was like, you gotta be kidding me! No way! Like, I, and I got so excited. And the problem was where I was—the birthday party. None of them know about racing, so I'm like, <laughs> and, and you know, so they're like, "Oh yeah, good job." I'm like, "No, this is like this hand, is it. This is like huge." And, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, good job," you know. <laughs> but, but um, it was great. And I mean, and then the next day, obviously that morning, I was kind of upset because I'm like it. I really wish I could have accepted that award in front of the people who were there. Mm. Um, That's still cool. I mean, so yeah. yeah, but after that, I mean, I I took that trophy, the eagle. You know, yeah. I I uh, I took it to work I, to show people. <laughs> which, and uh, the cool thing was, I got to bring it. I got to show Jimmy Davis and and Moon mm-hmm. the award. And uh, again, I you know. I, Again, Moon, who we just lost, um, his face when I showed him that thing, I that's something I'll never forget. When, you know, it meant something to him just as much as it meant to you. Huh? Yeah, you know, because that's just not that accomplishment, but that meant so much for Jimmy, Moon, um, my father, Lottie, Sean. Um, Rich, RJ, the guys who helped that year on the cars. Mm-hmm. That, for what felt like half a season running a modified, that wasn't just my award. That was that was everybody. Every single person that's helped me, not just that year, but the people who got me to where I was. The The next year, 2018, you had probably your best year ever in a big block you didn't get to victory lane but you had some really solid finishes you finished sixth in points you you talk about the fact that you had such a strong couple years in in the sportsman class you had some strong years once you started getting going in in the street stock class and then like i said in the sportsman class now you were three or four years into running with the modifieds and you had a really good handle on the car i mean what is that feeling like i mean Talk to me about realizing that you're racing every week, wheel to wheel. Like, like you said, the people that you used to stand at the fence and watch. Now you're racing wheel to wheel with Varen and 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 Wilder and, and and Stewie when you know Stuart Friesen when he shows up and and all those guys. I mean, talk about that. I mean, and and you were beating them a lot of times. You were running really strong, top fives, top threes, things like that. Yeah, we. Uh, um the beginning of the year uh it, 
again, it, it didn't start out the way we wanted to, but we capitalized on it, mm-hmm. definitely. And, uh, you know, for for the equipment we were in and everything, for what we were being able to accomplish, especially in the modified class there, mm-hmm. again, was great. And um, it, just, it was weird because, um, you know, though we didn't, uh, like you said, we didn't get any wins. Um, we got a bunch of top threes. But uh, just realizing you're trying to find a way to pass Bobby Varon or you're trying to, you know, you're you're racing on the outside of Jimmy Davis. It, you know, mm-hmm. like during that time, obviously, it's just a car that you're trying to pass or trying to race. Again, in no, yeah, in no offense to those guys, but when you pull in the pits and you hop out of the car, you know, without swearing, you're like, "Holy!" You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah. Again, it's um, especially when you're racing against guys like Jimmy and Bobby, and um, I got to race against Jimmy Horton, um, me, Jack Leonard, and Tim McCready had a three-way battle one time. I think we were racing for, like, ninth at Fonda <laughs> for a race. And the three of us were really, like, dishing out back and forth. And after the race, I got out of the car. I'm like, I got to go talk to Jack. And I went walking <laughs> down. And Jack's actually walking towards me. And me and him were like, was that awesome or what? Like, I mean, he's like, I can't believe it. We were racing with Timmy. And I was like, yeah. And, and but uh, actually the first time... Um, uh, I I was in a heat race with Jimmy Davis. Mm-hmm. That couldn't have gone any worse. <laughs> oh no! What happened? We, well, I I lined up on the grid, and my dad leaned in the car, and he goes, "Hey, guess who's lining up next to you?" And I look over, and it's Jimmy. And <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, and I'm nervous and I'm excited all at the same time. <laughs> and yeah, we went out, green flag came out, we go down in the turn one, and it was like one of those things where everybody went in the turn one, something happened, they all checked up, so I tapped the guy's bumper in front of me, the car got tight, and I went up in the gym and popped his left front tire. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified to even try to pass him, but <laughs> the crazy thing was with the left front tire, that man was driving the wheels off of that car, and he was passing people, and I just <laughs> stayed behind him and passed them, too. <laughs> and uh, I I got out of the car, and my dad's like, did you hit Jimmy? I was like, yeah, yeah. I did. And he goes, well, you know what to do. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go down, talk to him. And I walked down. I actually brought money with me <laughs> to buy him another tire. <laughs> I walked up Jimmy and I'm like, hey, you know, sorry about that. You know, like, you want me to pay? And Jimmy was joking, like, don't insult me like that. You know, he's like, it's a racing incident. Get over it. And I was like, I know, but. Yeah. But it's you. <laughs> yeah, but it's you. And he's like, don't worry about it. And I was like, all right. And But, yeah, just um, we were able to pull off a lot of good finishes later that year, too. And. Uh, to have a bunch of guys come up to me afterwards saying, like, I didn't realize that was you. And I was like, thanks. Like, <laughs> and, 
that was just <laughs> it just made everything worthwhile because I mean you it was always cool to look at and check the box score on Sunday morning and realize see Cody's either top three top five top ten you were consistent every every week and yeah. it showed I mean you finished six in points yeah last year was a bit of a struggle for you um, you didn't have the season you wanted and at the end of you know 2019 you and Lottie decided it was it was time for a change um, what made you come to the decision and do you feel I mean even at the beginning of, of 2020 you know you know do you feel this is still the right decision for you it was the right decision um, no if ands or buts about it and it was the best decision for me. As you said, we struggled all last year. Um, you know, leading up to that, I had always been racing on used used equipment. Um, where you know, teammates I've had with the team, they've always had brand new frames and um, you know, fresh equipment, and you know, it, it showed in our performance. We were dealing with a lot of parts uh, a lot of a lot of dnfs because of parts failing we had uh we had two motors we lost two motors and it, you know it, it was a, a lot of frustration and unfortunately between me and lottie the relationship wasn't going well and uh, a lot of uh, phone calls turned into arguments which aren't fun and it takes all the all the fun out of it. And you know, like they said in racing, if you're not having fun, it's not worth, it's it. Not worth it. And so again, when you know, when I tell you that people only see your performance on the track, they don't see what's going on behind the scenes. That's very frustrating as well. And. A lot of stuff was leading up to it. I just think the relationship was ending. Uh, as in me and Lottie being, you know, car owner and driver. Right. Um, the end of the year, there was an incident between me and my teammate, Dave Constantino. And it was a racing incident, but at the time, it wasn't taken as one by the other the other camp. And what happened was... Con after we had a restart, I took the lead over going into one and two. And coming out of two, because the track was so rough, I moved up to the center of the track. And at Fonda, you know, the turn two can be quite a, a sharp turn if you're on the bottom. Right. And you can kill your momentum on the bottom. So I tried to move up to the center of the corner. And then earlier, I found that, you know, the outside was the fastest way around that night. So... When I came off towards the, the center of the corner, I figured if I can, you know, beat everybody down in the turn three and then get to the top, I can I can hold them off. Well, Dave got a good run coming off of two, and he drove right into the back of my car and therefore spun him around and put him in the wall and destroyed the car. And we went on to finish third that night, and the way – our season was going. That was like a win for us. Understand. So when we went, when I went into the pits, mine, the one of the best nights of our year went to the worst. And 
what happened was in the incident Dave told Lottie that I had done this intentionally the the accident and unfortunately Lottie took his side it seemed like and you know I was getting called everywhere in the book that you can think of and it just again it went from the best night that we had all year to the worst and um, that was definitely probably one of the toughest nights of like out of my whole racing career that I've ever had because I was being made out to be this person I'm not and a lot of rumors start going around as soon as this stuff happens um, Danny Varon in victory lane when he won that night he was right behind us and he saw the whole thing and he in victory lane you know he said that I'm a good driver I'd never do anything intentionally he'd race with me every every day so I appreciate him saying that and at the time just because of the whole commotion we I guess a lot of people didn't want to get involved or come over at the time and again the rumors start start flowing as soon as that stuff happens and a lot of rumors were said that I was fired that night which wasn't the case we ended up racing Devil's Bowl the following night we made the feature we were having a good night and we were involved in an accident on the backstretch it was one of those deals I had nowhere to go big pile up um, so that ended our night and we had chassis damage because of it and you know I talked to Lottie and Lottie wanted me to apologize for something I didn't do and I you know I said to him that you know it's not it's not my fault why am I apologizing for something that I didn't do at all and you know why why should we be splitting the whole team up because of this whole ordeal and you know we wanted to get the the chassis fixed but dave you know being our the chassis we had was a dkm he didn't want to fix it he didn't want us to bring it down so that threw us for a loop um and not only that but you know i i had tried calling dave a couple times he just never answered and you also hear everybody saying stuff that you know he's telling people not to do business with me he's telling people not to put me in their cars that you know I'm not a good person and when all the stuff like that was being said about me it it obviously it's personal and when somebody's trying to ruin your reputation and it seems like going after you to ruin your racing career that that drew the line for me right there and you know Lottie still seemed like he was on Dave's side with everything and a couple of days after that you know Bobco sent us the racing video and it shows clearly on the video that it was not my fault at all and you know we had told Lottie this we told everybody else this. Everybody that watched the video all agreed with us. And we had so many people come up to us afterwards, you know, stating, like, you know, that this whole deal is ridiculous. You, you know, it wasn't your fault. You had nothing to do with it. And 
of course, I'm sitting there like, well, yeah, I know it wasn't my fault. <laughs> and just one after another, and I just, I think the fact, you know, Dave um, being the co-owner with DKM chassis and everything, I think everybody, a lot of people didn't want to get in the middle of it because of their association with them. And, again, it sucks, but I know where I stand on on the whole situation. I know what really happened. Obviously, there's two sides to every story, right. but I know my side, and that's the one I stand on. A lot of people, I've had a couple of people disagree with me, and I pretty much told them off because it's like if you want to be like that, I, you know, there's no reason for me to be around you anymore. So... Again, with the video showing everything clear, and the couple months after that, I also received a letter from Lottie. This was probably two and a half months after the whole incident. He sent my father a letter and stating that he had finally watched the video and that he saw in no way was it my fault. There was no you know, intent, nothing. So, even though it was two and a half months after the incident and all this stuff was being said, that was kind of the icing on the cake, and it was closure also, because um, it was maybe a week, a week or two after the incident at Fonda that um, Lottie was going to do some repairs on the car himself, because they wouldn't they didn't want it down at DKM and at the time I just had enough and you know I told Lottie just to come down he, he came down he picked up the car picked up his equipment and it ended with a handshake from Lottie and a hug from his wife so that was you know that was definitely a good way to, to end things there with them but uh, again a lot of stuff happened and um, unfortunately you know, my my reputation racing career was, it, it seemed like attacked because of an incident that I, you know, didn't do. Now, the, the way this season is going so far, you know, for 2020, you don't have anything lined up. Um, you know, as of right now, at least. I mean, have you been looking for, for something for this season? Um, or are you kind of like, you know what? With everything that had gone on the last year and everything, it's just time for time to give myself a break. Get, take some time for me and kind of kind of take a break. Well, after the Devil's Bowl race, I I took a break. Um, the months following that, I I didn't look out or search for anything. Um, there wasn't much out there anyway, but kind of stayed away from the tracks for the most part. Um, you know, again, if for this year, if the right opportunity came up that I knew we could have a top five car every night, whether it's weekly or special events, anything like that, I would definitely go for it. Um, but, you know, it's I think it's it's hard enough going to the track, not racing and watching. <laughs> so, um you know that's part you got to go and talk to people at the track that's the biggest thing and as frustrating as it is sitting there watching you got to you still got to keep 
communications going and talking. So um, I'll be at the tracks when I can, obviously. But um, as long as you know, if it's if it's the right deal, if if something does pop up, I definitely go back racing for sure. All right, I'm gonna end with this. In the first uh, podcast we did, I was with Kyle Sheldon. We did a word association or a phrase association. We gave a couple of drivers and different people, and uh, and it kind of got some pretty big, uh, got some uh, some excitement. A lot of people liked it, so I figured we could try it with you. Um, I'll say the person's name, and I want you to either say the first word that comes to your mind, or I want you to explain what you think about when I when I say that person's name. And you've kind of alluded kind of alluded to this one uh, already to begin with. Talk about Jimmy Davis. Hero. Why is that? As as a person, you'll never meet a nicer guy. Um, again, he's always been there for me, but um, he's a big family guy. I, you know, he's always with his family. He's always doing stuff with them. Um, and overall, he's just. He's a blast to be around. And, you know, again, he can have a lot of fun, but he's also down to earth. And uh, he's, again, been very supportive of me and not just my racing, but everything else I've done in life, too. He's always been there. Somebody you've raced with, followed a lot, watched when you were running Sportsman? Stuart Friesen. Part of me is kind of like it's about time he's getting the opportunities that he's getting now. Okay. Um, now what? I mean, um, when you when when I say that, I mean you had to have seen. You know, I mean there was I think what one year he won like twelve races or something like that at, at Fonda. Oh yeah, he was untouchable. There. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he um. He's another one too. You know, you can go talk to him about advice, setups, stuff like that, and. uh there's times where it's almost annoying because you'll be racing like at Fonda, you'll be leading the race or you you think you're flying. And then all of a sudden there's this blue flash that just goes by you and you're like, thanks Stu. And now I feel, you know, <laughs> every time you think you're running good and all of a sudden he's holding it on another three, four seconds. Yeah. Right? I mean, it looks like he can just hold his hand out the window and wave, you know, <laughs> but, I um, I mean, I, I've been able to hang out with him in the past before he got to be, you know, the well-known Stuart Friesen, like NASCAR <laughs> and all that. Mm -hmm. and, um, but, you know, I have huge respect for him, his family. Um, you know, great guy. And like I said, I think it's, a, it's finally good to see that he's getting the opportunities that he has now, especially in the higher ranks and stuff. Somebody that you're very close to, somebody that a lot of people know his father. Talk to me about Sheldon Martin. <laughs> um, one word, well, that would be two words. I was going <laughs> to say best friend, but I guess that's one word, right? Yeah, we'll leave it as one All word. All right. Again, I wasn't the greatest kid in school. <laughs> grammar, English. We'll give you an A for effort. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, talk to me about, I mean, because even like last year, I mean, you, things were going the way they were. You took time off and went and was in his wedding. 
mm-hmm. last year, right? I mean, talk yeah. to him. I mean, talk about your relationship with, with Sheldon. Uh, he's my best friend. He's like a brother. Um, again, me and him, we've been through a lot together. Um, you know, at, at one time, my father was pretty sick, um, and Sheldon, not only Sheldon, but his family, they were there for me the whole time. Um, when we ran street stocks, uh, his father, Kenny, who, again, is not only one of the best race car drivers that probably ever, you know, raced mm-hmm. around this area, but he's one of the best mechanics I've ever met. Um, he was always there to help us with the car. And, you know, again, with Sheldon, um, the support that he's given me, even, even though, you know, his his racing career didn't um, take off because he ended up moving, going down south. Yeah, um, he's working on some NASCAR teams now. Right, yeah. But he, uh, he's always been there, and, um, you know, he had a, a family medical issue that came up, and... You know, I I had his back, had their family's back, and again, so much we've gone through. But um, this everything that me and him have done together, you know, it's been such a great relationship and friendship that we've had. You know, and uh, his wife Bethany is like a sister to me. You know, and um, very very thankful for our friendship. I had one more that I was going to do, but then you kind of, kind of threw a little bit of a story into the middle of our of our conversation here. After the first time you met Dave Light, have you talked to him anymore? I mean, how do you have anything? That you, um, if when I when I mentioned Dave Light, what does that conjure up? I, it's weird. Ever like a couple of years after that, I you know I stopped and say hi to him and. I talked to his wife a little bit, um, but with racing too, you, you get so busy sometimes. You know, I I honestly haven't talked to him in quite a while. Um, it, I well, I shouldn't say that like in passing or something. You'd see him and say hi, and um, well, I mean, when I say when I say Dave Lape, what do you think about what 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 is that? Legend, legend. He he's definitely. Um, He's definitely one of the legends at Fonda, no doubt. And uh, just, I was—I'm very lucky to. Um, unfortunately, I didn't—I didn't get to race against him because he, he got out when I got into modifieds. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being able to watch a living legend race, and uh, for all those years and. I've been alive and um, what he's done for the sport because I know he's been very involved promotional wise and everything else. I think he's still involved the in the museum too over at yeah. Fonda, right? And, which the museum at Fonda is an amazing thing that they have going on over there. Mm-hmm. Um, which I I wish I'd see a lot more people at or looking at. Um, but you know, it Everybody has their own thing they do at the track. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, for his accomplishments alone and then trying to keep the history of Fonda, the past, and everything that happened alive and mm-hmm. and going, uh, definitely just a stand-up 
stand-up gentleman from Valley. Very cool. Well, thanks, brother. I Thank you. It. Now, that was a fun interview. I've known Cody for many years, and he still talked about things even I never knew. I really hope he finds a ride soon so he can get back to the driver's seat. He's a great driver who protects his equipment and gets the most out of it. Thanks to Cody for sitting down with me. And don't forget, you can now download this or anything on Race Pro Radio from Spotify, the iTunes Store, or even RaceProWeekly.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check back soon. This has been The Slide Job here on Race Pro Radio. Mm-hmm.